The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. Hello, I'm Kim Adkins. I'm part of the government affairs team that represents the Tennessee Broadband Association on Capitol Hill in Nashville. Today, I'm sitting in for Lavoie Knowles, the association executive director. Our guest today is Representative William Lamberth, House Majority Leader. Leader Lamberth, welcome to our program. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. William Lamberth represents a portion of Sumner County in the Tennessee House of Representatives. He serves on a number of committees, including Judiciary and Finance. Representative Lamberth, an attorney, lives in Portland, Tennessee with his wife and two children. The family is very involved in their community. Leader Lamberth, let's start our conversation today talking about your upbringing. Where were you raised and what was your early exposure to the political process? Well, I appreciate you asking that. And again, I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to visit with you today. Uh, my early exposure to the political process is pretty easy to answer. It was virtually non-existent, uh, other than the fact that I am uh, what can effectually be referred to as a prenatal Republican. Uh, my family's always been Republicans. I, that's what I learned about uh, the entire time I was growing up, but it wasn't within kind of the realm of politics. It was just learning about personal responsibility and being fiscally responsible. And I was raised, to go to that portion of the question, on a hog farm in the southern part of Kentucky. My family's always been from Sumner County. That's where my parents were born. That's where my children were born. But I was actually born up in Bowling Green. That was the closest hospital when my mother went into labor. And we had a farm both in Sumner County and in Kentucky, then later moved back to Sumner County, um, where, where my children are being raised now. Um, so in growing up on a farm, I mean, you, you learn that value of hard work. You learn that value of, like, you know, balancing a budget of having fiscal discipline in everything decision that you're making because if you make a bad decision you can literally it can cost you the farm and so that was my early kind of introduction to politics is that I knew that there were folks that ran for public office. I knew, obviously, history and civics and everything else, but I, no one in my family was really you know, involved in politics or in elected office, or, and we didn't really even know anyone that was in elected office except for you know, in election years, maybe someone would come around and we'd hear a speech from someone. But it was those deeply ingrained conservative principles that made just a massive part of my up- upbringing of just you know, faith and family and finances and just, um, again, from the earliest points that I could possibly remember, just... Uh, having uh, learned at at my parents and grandparents and great grandparents' uh, feet of just what it is to be a conservative. And is it? Are you a fifth generation Sumner County resident? I am. I am, and uh, my children make six generations. And it's interesting because we, uh, when I first ran for public office, we would say five or six generations, and because uh, we, in the family tree, we had traced back a certain ways, and then at, the, at some point, kind of lost track with where everybody came from. But the best we can tell right now, we've been in Sumner County for five generations, um, where we have primarily, you know, lived and and raised our children. And so my my kids will make six generations, and I hope that their children and beyond uh, will continue to live uh, right right there just off of Lamberth Road. My, my parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts all still live on Lamberth Road. We live about a mile and a half from there. Um, so it's, you know, that's home. Well, you're certainly familiar with, with rural Tennessee, uh, given your background and your family's history. Uh, tell us, what do you think are the particular challenges that, that you see facing the rural population of our state? 
Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that's always at the forefront of my, my, my mind is just the survival of our rural areas. Um, there's an enormous amount of attention in our larger cities like Nashville and Memphis and Knoxville and Chattanooga, and there's lots of economic development and jobs, and we live in extraordinarily good times in Tennessee. But the family farm, the you know the rural aspects of what everybody thinks about, that agricultural background and, and foundation of Tennessee, uh, we're losing every single generation, and, I, and I'm a perfect example of that. I mean, I'm an attorney. It's what I do for a living now. Um, I still live on a farm. I still live, in fact, wedged between two pretty large farms, but neither of them are active commercial farms at this juncture. Um, And I think that's where a lot of farms have gone over the years is that that just flavor of rural Tennessee where you had lots of small family farms where the feed mill was where everyone gathered. And, you know, it it wasn't the barbershop when I was growing up. We'd all go down to the feed mill. I mean, that's where you learned from your elders kind of the the knowledge of the world was um, that's where you all gathered. And so I don't know the ways that we can ensure our rural roots survival, but I know it's something that's critical to our future is that we hang on to that past and make sure that we don't forget it. And we also ensure that the next generation is carrying that through. As you may know, the Tennessee Broadband Association is comprised of cooperative and independent telecommunications companies that are investing millions of dollars in fiber networks throughout Tennessee, largely in rural areas. What role do you see broadband playing in rural economic development? Well, it plays a massive role. I mean, obviously, uh, when we talk about rural areas and we talk about suburban areas, our urban cores have a lot of, um, you know, high-speed internet access. I mean, that's one of the strengths that you have when you live in an urban area is, by and large, you you deal with traffic, you deal with crime, you deal with congestion, but you have a lot of the amenities like, I mean, you know, restaurants and, you know, high-speed internet and, you know, just about anything you could imagine from a retail standpoint, you know, just at your fingertips. In, in our rural areas, we've always been, you know, used to the fact that it's going to take, you know, 15, 20 minutes to get to a grocery store. By the way, I'm not stopping at a lot of red lights. and We don't have as much congestion where, where I live, uh, which makes it beautiful. It might still take you in a city 15 or 20 minutes to get there because you're going a uh, half a mile and going through 14 red lights or something. But in the rural area, we're, we're used to things taking a little bit longer. But in the, in the in the next generation of business, you can't have a an internet connection that takes longer than it does in an urban area or you're toast. I mean, from a business standpoint, we have so many employees now and so many businesses that have a non-traditional workspace that they do not drive into an office complex where they sit in a cubicle all day and do their work. There's so many other different aspects and opportunities out there for folks to hang on to those rural roots. Um, and again, I'm, I'm a perfect example of that. I mean, my, my law office is in Gallatin. Um, I also work out of my home from time to time, and I have high-speed internet at both locations to enab- enable me, whether I'm sitting in Nashville where I can pull something up on my phone or on my personal laptop and handle a business matter from right here while I'm serving the people, or if I'm in my office in Gallatin or if I'm at home or really any courtroom that I'm in in Middle Tennessee, I have the ability to be able to pull that up. Well, not all of our communities have that. Not, not, not all have that type of cell phone connection or broadband connection so that they have that high-speed connectivity to whatever their job is. In order for us to succeed as a state, that's got to be a part of it. And so that's what we've focused on in years past. And I, between our, our private businesses and our co-ops and others, um, I'm confident that we're still going to be able to make sure that our rural areas are just as competitive as our urban areas. As an association, we believe that access to health care is vital to the well-being of Tennessee residents, and broadband plays a critical role in expanding health care access through telemedicine technology. That's why we are currently working on a statewide rural telehealth initiative. In your view, how important is broadband and telemedicine in increasing access to care, especially in rural Tennessee? 
Well, I mean, it is it is the only way you can do telemedicine. I mean, unless you have high-speed internet, unless you have that high-speed access, you're not going to have telemedicine. I mean, when you talk about video conferencing, and that is the absolute just tip of the iceberg of what we talk about, we talk about telemedicine. And I'll give you an example from our own family. I mean, yesterday, my grandfather turned 93 years young. Um, he is still in good shape, but a couple of years ago, he had a stroke. And he went to our local hospital who, and this is not traditional telemedicine, but it's still an example of how some of this can work. Um, they, through a video conference system of some sort, um, had him diagnosed by a doctor that was in Nashville and specifically at Vanderbilt. So he's at a hospital in Gallatin. Their own a video conferencing you know, piece of technology with the doctor in Vanderbilt. He's conversing with my grandfather and the doctors that are there. And again, a, a much more sophisticated version of what I'm describing. He diagnoses him over this interface and prescribes the medication on a, on a kind of an ultra clock blocker type thing. And I'm not a doctor by any stretch of the imagination, but in essence, a medication that is able to arrest that stroke right where it is immediately begins saving his life. And because of that medication, because of that technology, uh, he turned 93 yesterday. Uh, my grandmother died eight years ago in similar circumstances when they didn't have this type of technology and that type of availability. And so this allows us, no matter where you are in the state, if you've got that high-speed internet connection, if, you, if your doctor has access to that type of technology, then you have access to the best minds medically anywhere in the world. And so it, it is just a game changer from a medical community standpoint and from a patient care standpoint. And so when we talk about telemedicine, when we talk about the high-speed internet that's needed for that, um, that's what we're really talking about. We're, we're talking about saving folks like my grandfather's lives with this type of technology. Thank you for sharing that. That's certainly the type of technology access that, that we support and, and we need to see across Tennessee. Uh, tell us more about your family um, and why it's important to you as a father that we create opportunities to keep our young people in Tennessee. When I look, I, I told you we go back five generations. You want me to go down each one of them? Because I've got a pretty good story about each member that's on that family tree. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. But, I, you know, I, I'll talk about the, the two members of my family that are nearest and dearest to my heart, and that's my children. I mean, you know, Allison and Pierce are, are 10 and 8 at this point. And I, we, we try to instill in them, when you talk about rural Tennessee, when you talk about just kind of the character of what Tennessee is, you know, my little girl does the chick chain through 4-H, which means they, you know, they give you 25 chickens, you raise them up, and you give, you know, five back that they auction off, which, by the way, you, you'll bid high for a chicken when your little girl's saying, Daddy, you're not really going to let anybody else buy our chickens, are you? So they came back home with us. But you, you learn when she's caring for those animals, when my son's caring for those animals with her as part of 4-H and FFA and as part of the just the programs that we hope to be able to instill in our schools on how to make sure that, again, that rural character, that agricultural um, community of individuals carries on to the next generation. That's what my folks did for me. I mean, I was loaned out to every aunt and uncle that had a farm or a business in the entire county. I think sometimes even going over county lines. I mean, it's just what we did growing up. You went and you worked together as family members and friends and neighbors as part of a community to get the job done. And so be it rural communities or urban communities or wherever, those type of just traits of who we are as a people are just critical to pass down. And so that that's what we're focused on. Uh, my wife and I are our family, and, and because that's the way I was raised, and that's the way I want the next generation, hopefully, to pass on to their children, is that that connectivity, that community is just so critical. And, and you mentioned we get the job done. Tell us about your job as House Majority Leader. Not everyone's aware of the responsibilities of this leadership position so tell us more about what that means, uh, sure. being well, Leader uh, Lambert. 
I'll try very hard to keep that to a short answer as well, but uh, do my best. But, you know, I, my, my first job in this world is to be a good daddy and be a good husband. Um, and then I try to be a very good lawyer. I try to run my business in a good way. And then serving the people of Sumner County is right at the top of the list. Um, you know, it, it's just besides my faith and my family, I mean, serving our my community is just um, it's it's what I bounce out of bed every morning and get excited about. And as part of that, I mean, I've been elected state representative a couple of times to represent a portion of Sumner County now. And it, and it's always an honor each time that my friends and neighbors allow me the privilege of coming to Nashville and serving our community. Um, this year, uh, my fellow caucus members in the House Republican Caucus um, allowed me to serve them as majority leader. And what that means is it means assisting them with fundraising. It means fundraising for the caucus. That is an aspect of it that we just finished up, and we were very successful in that, to have the funds to get the message out on what conservative beliefs and principles that we've been able to um, be successful on in Nashville, again, on, on a a lot of what we're talking about to try to preserve the character of Tennessee and still push us to the next level and make sure we take that next step for what tomorrow's Tennessee is going to look like. So that's certainly an aspect of being majority leader, but it's also a huge part this time of year. Uh, the fundraising and everything is behind us. We've begun session to focus on good policies. Um, every bill that the governor would like presented to the legislature, uh, myself and this and our assistant majority leader, Ron Gant, we file those bills on behalf of the governor. Jack Johnson, the leader in the Senate, does, does that in the Senate. The governor obviously is part of the executive branch. He's not a part of the legislative branch, so he can't file bills. So that's part of my responsibility. Uh, I also negotiate with the minority caucus. That's our, our Democratic colleagues. Karen Camper is the minority leader. I negotiate, and we're good friends. We have disagreements on policy many times, but we have found very, I think, civil ways to disagree. And so that's part of this as well is just, you know, look, what, what are we going to be fighting about and what can we agree on? And then amongst kind of the House and the Senate, working with Jack Johnson and our senators and and working with the governor's office and, and, and really just the different departments within government to make sure that the job gets done. I also sponsor the budget each year. Our finance chairman, Susan Lynn, does a great job of, of guiding that budget through the, the process and ensuring that every T is crossed and every I is dotted. But I actually sponsor that budget, again, to get it proposed for discussion. And so a lot of that is what I do. But really what it boils down to is this. Uh, there's a lot of folks that run for public office, and they don't transition um, to focusing on policy, to focusing on service. They, they're kind of stuck in political mode. We see that a lot at the federal level. Here at the state level, we have to get the job done. We absolutely have to balance our budget. We have to keep taxes low, regulations low. We need to ensure that it's not enough to just say we want family farms in rural Tennessee to do well. We've got to put policies in place that actually make that happen. So that's a large part of what I do as majority leader as well, is keep the entire House Republican caucus focus like a laser beam on ensuring that Tennessee's best days are still ahead. Well, and you mentioned it's time to focus on good policies. What do you see as some of the challenges ahead for our state and what issues are you particularly excited to tackle during this 2020 legislative session? So, uh, you know, I, a lot of times your greatest strengths are also your, you know, kind of biggest challenges. One of the things for us is we continue to run surpluses each year because we continue to cut taxes. We keep regulation low. Uh, we're at the lowest unemployment rate in history and in bar – None. We are one of the best fiscally managed states in the country. Uh, that is a very, very good thing. And part of our challenge is to continue in that vein, to make sure that we don't lose sight of what got us to this point. Um, so that that's going to be a massive issue kind of going forward to ensure that we, while we, we want to cut taxes every year, and I anticipate we will cut again this year, is that you do that incrementally, that you don't make just in any one year too big a cuts. Um, and because I don't want to put us into a situation where down the road that we 
we would wind up cutting services to Tennesseans that genuinely need it. Though we look at that as well. We look at shrinking the size of government each year, and we make sure that, you know, if we're providing a service, is it something that we actually should be providing? But above and beyond that, I think going forward, uh, we have a lot of folks that are moving in from all over the country and world to Tennessee. We're very attractive for folks to visit, and then many of those folks that visit here actually move here for work, to start a business, and that's great. We are very welcoming as, as Tennesseans. But one of our challenges, again, uh, it's, a, it's a great asset for us to have folks moving in, but a challenge will be to make sure that those folks buy into who we are as Tennessee, that they don't change Tennessee's character going forward on principles that have, have been very successful. And so, I, you know, we will continue to focus on the same things that I ran on, which is, you know, good, safe communities, good schools for our children, and all of that within the fiscal discipline of making sure that we keep taxes and regulation burdens very low on our citizens. That's, that's really what we focus on every single year. We really appreciate you being so supportive of the association. Um, you have always been supportive of the Tennessee Broadband Association and our efforts on Capitol Hill. We want to thank you for joining us today. And if are there any other issues you'd like to speak with us today about? No, I just appreciate y'all as an organization. I appreciate all your individual members. Um, it really does take a lot of folks taking a big risk on rural Tennessee. It's very easy to invest in urban areas where you can get a very clear-cut return on your investment. It's much more difficult to go out into a small town in a rural area and, you know, make sure that some kid that's doing their homework has the, the broadband capacity to be able to do that just as quickly as some kid that lives in a big city, to just make sure that a small business owner has the, the really the bandwidth, if you excuse the pun, to be able to, you know, be as successful as that person person who lives in a large city. And so I just want to thank you guys for allowing me the privilege of visiting with you today. And thank you for all of your hard work to ensure that Tennessee's, Tennesseans from Memphis to Mountain City have the same type of opportunities uh, to invest in our shared future. Thank you, Leader Lambert. Again, I'm Kim Adkins, and this episode of Lead Tennessee Radio is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association, cooperative and independent companies connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class broadband. Thank you for listening and for helping us share these conversations with people leading Tennessee forward.